What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Janella Show. I'm your host, Mike, obviously. This is my 94th podcast episode. Hopefully, won't be my last. This week, an old buddy of mine, an old co-worker of mine, he spent 10 years as the technology editor for the Daily Mirror newspaper in London and six years as the online editor at Guinness World Records. That's where he and I cross paths. But more importantly, right now, he is the author of Steve Jobs, a biographic portrait. It's Kevin Lynch. This is a book that just came out at the end of uh, last year, 2018. I quote Amazon, this is a stunning visual guide to the life and works of entrepreneur Steve Jobs. It was named the Technology Book of the Year by News Talk in Ireland. Uh, Kevin uh, used to live in London, now he lives in Dublin, and I talked to him about what it's like to put together a book. I mean, it's crazy, right? Is he just typing away all day? How does that work? What he learned about Steve Jobs, some things that maybe you don't know from the movies you might have seen or other biographies you might have read. Plus, we talk about some other fun stuff, some Guinness World Records stuff, favorite Apple products, how Apple can turn their uh, bad fortunes around, relatively speaking. It's all in here. If you're new to the podcast, I would love it if you gave a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe as well and tell all your friends to download and subscribe too. You can also find me on social media on all platforms at Mike Janella. That's it for now. Here he is, Kevin Lynch from across the pond. Kevin, what's going on, man? Hello, Mike. How you How, doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's good to hear you. It's been a while. Yeah, likewise. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, you and I, we go way back from our time at Guinness World Records. Uh, you were in the London office. I was in the New York office. Now, I live in New Jersey. You live in Dublin. You're writing books. I'm doing not much of anything. Life changes a lot, but I'm glad we got to catch up and uh, and, and chat again because you got a book out. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you'd have said to me, well... If you'd have said to me, I think three weeks before my deadline, I was going to have a book out. <laughs> Even that close to it, you were a little bit yeah, sketchy, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you know, these things only really feel real. I think once once you've actually got the the finished article in your hands, in your so. hands, yeah, you see it in the stores and all that. Well, I want to talk to you about all of that, but I start my podcast with every guest the same way. Because I like to get off on a good foot. I think you and I are on a good foot already anyway. But to really drive it home, I ask everyone the same question to start. Uh, Kevin Lynch, what's the best thing to happen to you this past week? Best thing? Um, I've had a couple of good things. Um, oh, nice. A good week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. no, been a good week. Um, it looks like I've got confirmation that we're going to get a Chinese edition of the book. Dope. Week. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, We've had quite a few. Like, there's been um, Japanese, a Spanish edition, uh, French edition came out last week. Uh, but I think I think the Chinese one's quite a big one for the publisher. So um, so that's good news. Uh, that's good news. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, best best things. Um, had a really good. I don't know if this is a best thing, but I had a really good chuckle just now. Um, I'm off out to Cologne this week. That's big big sort of expo about kitchens and just been having a really good chuckle just like your listeners if they're not aware of um, my background's kind of in uh, technology reporting um but yeah i'm going out to this um this big trade show in cologne uh, this week and um, there's a lot of focus on alexa uh enabled devices one of those um and 
obviously it's a kitchen trade show I'm going to and um there are yeah, trade shows for just, everything, man. Everyone thinks about like Comic Con and those kind of things, but yeah, kitchens too. There's trade shows for that. Well, yeah, the thing that's blowing my mind is just you know how everyone's getting on this Alexa bandwagon, and you've just got what seems like an unending amount of unnecessary Alexa integrations these days. Like, there's you know, it's having a really good chuckle anyway. There's this Alexa trash can, and it's like there is absolutely no need for the Alexa. <laughs> It is literally like Alexa, open the trash can. Oh my gosh. Just use your foot or use your hand. Yeah, what the hell? Although, hey, if you have an Alexa, you can say, play the Mike Janela show. Hey, Alexa, on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And that's a good integration, I think. Of See, that's essential, Mike. Yeah. That's essential. Yeah. Like, no, but, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's. They, well, that's full. It sounds like you got a lot going on in the week, and before and thanks for taking the time before you head off to uh, Cologne and enjoy all the Alexa integrations you can find. But let's talk about your book, man. That's the important thing. Um, it's Steve Jobs, a biographic portrait, and I mentioned all the accolades it's been getting at the top of the show. But explain a little bit to the people who maybe aren't near a computer that can go Google it or haven't seen it yet in stores or anything. A biographic portrait. What's that mean? Is it like all pictures, a picture book? Is it a mix of words and pictures? How, what does that mean exactly? Well, it's, it's a full-length biography, but I guess I guess what kind of sets it apart is it's um, it's an illustrated biography. And by that, um, there's 50 um, loosely described, some of them, I guess, but in, in most cases, 50 infographics in there that um, help to sort of chart his life basically um there's also a ton of, of um, archive photography in there but um but yeah it's just a it's just a different approach um you know to to uh, biography and i think yeah i think for certain people it really suits um i mean prior to me working on this book and um, publisher uh, quarto they had um they had and they put out a uh, similar kind of format um, book on uh, Lionel Messi and also Roger Federer and um, obviously it's, they're sports stars and you know it's statistical and you know it, it lends itself really well to that sort of thing but uh, when I got the opportunity to write the book um, it just it, to me just it, you know it just seemed like such a great great project to work on um, really yeah yeah there's obviously been quite a few few books that, that cover the life of Steve Jobs. And movies and documentaries. Yeah, he's been a well-covered figure. So to do something even fresh on him is a little tough. It's gotta, it had to be a little bit intimidating too, right? Like, So were you chosen for this or was this your idea? Because that's it's not an easy thing to undertake because he has been covered so well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, cards on the table. I was approached, I would, you know, the project um, Quarto already had uh, the project in mind. Um, but, you know, um, like I say, my background has been in, in technology reporting and um, back in the day I used to work for the Daily Mirror, a uh, big national newspaper in, in the UK. And um, my, I guess I started writing about technology just as... Kind of, kind of the turn of the century, kind of. Um, uh, Isn't that just, so weird to say? Like we're deep into the century I, now. Uh, it feels I like know, it was yesterday, but it's actually a long time ago. I like, I, I kind of throwing it in there, though. It does look, doesn't it? Kind uh. of, like an elder statesman. Yeah, it? yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started writing about technology just when sort of Apple were getting back 
on their feet. Um, yeah, they've just released the iPod. And they've just starting out on that wave again. You know, Jobs have been have been back at Apple for I think about four or five years. But I think it was only until sort of the iPod really really set sail that their fortunes really really went on the rise. And um, so yeah, my my time at, at Daily Mirror kind of dovetailed with with um, you know the glory era of Jobs really. And um, you know, I've, I've been covering. Um, Apple a lot in the paper, and I guess that's why I'd been approached um, by the folks at Quarto. Um, and yeah, you know, it was it just all made sense. Like the opportunity came up um, at the right time. It was, you know, almost fate years. I was, you know, I was about to um, call time on things at Guinness World Records, and and yeah, it was, um, you know, um, I'd never really considered. Um, writing a book and the opportunity come up and yeah, it was it was there to be taken and um yeah and here we are you make it sound so easy like they gave you the opportunity you did it and now here we are but i'm assuming and this is the part that really interests me if i wanted to chat with you putting this thing together because i mean writing a book in general is not easy writing one and putting one together that has infographics and illustrations and is about such a well-known figure and by a lot of people a revered figure. You, you can't really screw this up. So what's that process like? You were at Guinness World Records at the time. Uh, you know, you left there to start with the <clears> book. How do you actually do it? Like, what's the cycle? How much is researching? When do you actually start writing things, the editing? What is the life of making a book like? Um, it was a suicide mission. <laughs> to put it nicely. Uh, the turnaround time for the book was, was, pretty, was pretty short. Um, obviously, they wanted to... Um, hit the market before before Christmas. Um, I got the call sort of, I think it was about May 2017, and sort of had a bit of negotiation for a couple of months. Um, I was looking to end my time at Guinness World Records, I think it was like December of that year, because we, I knew we were moving. Um, well, the idea was we were going to move at the end of that year. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I guess my my abiding memory of like starting the project was um, signed on on the dotted line and basically spent my had two weeks paternity leave. Um, my son was born in uh, July. I've got two kids. Um, little Rory was born at the start of July, and those two weeks where I perhaps you know perhaps should have been doting on my on my n- newborn son or more more to the point helping out with my wife with everything. Um, a lot of it was spent cramming in, um, yeah, um, just reading as much and absorbing as much as I could because obviously I was, I was still keeping things going with Guinness World Records at that point. So, um, so I didn't really, I had those two weeks there, and then I didn't really start proper on the book until the September of 2017. So, all in all, we're thinking that you know from start to finish, it was, you know, probably about six seven month process, but. Um, as you say, there, it's, there's two very different aspects to the book as well. Obviously, there's the you know, there's the there's the copy for for the biography, but then there was also the infographics that all had to be researched and briefed for for the designers. So it was yeah, it, it was pretty tough. Yeah, it's two different 
two different things to be sort of concentrating and researching and, and working on in Tamden and you know uh, you know no word of a you know I, I, it absolutely drove me mad <laughs> Mike it was um, yeah it was um, um, you know um, but yeah it was a great experience um, you know you know to be able to concentrate um on on a big project like that and you know knowing that you're kind of up against it with you know particularly with everything else that's going on you know um we're emigrating we're, we're selling our, our house and you know we've got we've you know just had had a baby um you know it's kind of you know it's kind of madness but also like kind of exhilarating as well and um to have got it down and got over the line is you know and to be happy with it as well obviously you know, to come out with something that, you know, in my opinion, I think it's really, you know, it's a great, it's a great book. You know, it looks fantastic. Designer's done a great job, and I think, you know, I think, um, you know, it doesn't read half bad as well. So, um, <laughs> well, that's yeah. part of it too, right? Because uh, a lot of this book is out of your hands in terms of the look of it. It's the designers, and I'm sure you had some input, but you're giving this information that you've researched, and you're sort of trusting that these other people can put what's in your mind to color and and design and to look and you have to be happy with that you both do so it's i think more of a symbiotic relationship than most authors are used to i would i would imagine yeah absolutely absolutely i mean it's um yeah you can imagine what it's like there's like continual back and forwards on on you know pretty much each of each of the um, infographics that you see on the book um yeah every every one had like i think two or three drafts um which and i give so you credit for because i'm a super control freak about my content so i would be just on edge the whole time with all this back and forth and stuff that's that takes a lot of patience i would i would assume yeah because you know you get attached to things as well you yeah know? yeah there, there's there's 50 there's 50 infographics that go in the book but I think in total we probably come up with about sixty, sixty-five, um, and you know, you have a Sophie's Choice moment, I guess, mm-hmm. where you have to decide between you know some of you know stuff that you put quite a lot of hard work into, and you, know, you have to make a tough decision as to you know there's only so much space, of course. So, yeah. So what was your like a typical? We've talked a little bit about the macro, but give me the like the actual day-to-day, you and I were joking before we uh, recorded here, you know, when people think about the typical author life, they think of like a Hemingway back in the day, who's just got his typewriter, he's just sitting on his porch, maybe sipping some rum, typing when he feels like it. Obviously, it's 2017, 18, as you were putting this together. You've got two kids, you're moving countries, you're trying to switch jobs. Um, there's social media that you can be distracted by. There's Netflix that you can go on whenever you feel uh, like you want to procrastinate. It's a much different environment to be an author now than even 20 or 30 years ago. So you know, what time did you wake up? Did you give yourself, all right, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is research, Tuesday, Thursday is writing. How often were you meeting with the publisher? What was this? Give me some of the minutia, because that's what really interests me about you know, putting something like this together. Hmm. Or was I, there not? Was it yeah. every every week was different? Maybe that's the be yeah, to an extent. I, you know, I mean, a big part. A big part is you know you you do find yourself you know you'll get on the roll. Um, you know, you'll hit on you'll hit on something, and then then there'll be other days where you know 
I know it's a cliche, but like the words just do not come. And, you know, the ideas, ideas aren't there, even, you know, with, with a biography and it is to a certain extent linear and like the history's there and, you know, you, you know, it's not, you're not building that narrative. Um, always, my only, my, my only sort of approach to the book, once I've kind of realised what the sort of voice or what the tone was, was just to treat each chapter like a feature. Um, um, and I guess stylistically, oh, not so much had a, you know, left, left things with a cliffhanger, but if you actually, you know, if you read the book, you know, it, there's like a little sort of seg into, into the next part of the story, the next chapter. Um, they were the only sort of, I guess, you know, the framework that I was kind of working with in the book. But, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I, I had like a little bit of an office space um, in my in my house. It was outside um, my son's, son's bedroom. And, you know, we've, you know, we're, we're trying to obviously pack at the same time, and, you know, that would, that would like move around, you know, like the house, you know, um, eventually I'd be in the kitchen or whatever, but, you know, like there'd be days where, you know, you just need to break it up and, and, you know, some, I was living in North London at the time and there's some like, great little cafes. There's actually, um, um, nearby where we lived in Kenish town, um, there's a little cafe in Tufnell Park and it's called the, the Literary Cafe or that's what everyone sort of knows it as locally. And it is literally just pe- people who go in there and write books. Huh. Uh, that sounds very uh, like idyllic and, and British for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> I did it, but also, you know, it's very cramped and like, you know, you get half a cup of coffee spilled on your laptop or, or whatever where someone's trying to brush past. It wasn't necessarily the ideal ideal spot but i don't know there was you know i had moments of inspiration in there anyway and you know it sort of become my my sort of lucky lucky spot so um you know you get not saying i got um superstitious while i was writing the book bad times it's like come on i need i need a little bit of inspiration (laughs) just to get certain things over the line because you know you know the yeah the time frame was quite was quite something but um um but yeah, like day to day, I mean, I try and I try and keep to hit points. I think, you know, it's it's often, you know, you often hear hear writers say, you know, just get stuff down, you know, just make it start. Um, um, you know, you have, I think you have to get into you know the frame of mind of just getting things down to begin with. Yeah, you know, when I when I started. Um, I think I was maybe over considering stuff and yeah. But um but you soon you soon realise that like, you know, it's not got you know, it's not gotta be perfect straight away, you know, you go back, you you know, you keep refining and, and improving and um yeah, you know, it's the you know, there's there's times when I've like yeah, I've you know, sometimes there'd be weeks where, you know, no, not a lot was going on, I've just you know I won't get much down, and then there'd be other weeks where, yeah, I'd just just go on this sort of maniacal kind of phase where I'd, I'd knock out twenty, you know, best part of like three chapters in like two days. You know, it, it was you're, crazy. Yeah, you're just feeling good. That's that writer's high or any creator's high, I think. Because I go through the same thing whether I'm vlogging or doing videos. There are some days it's just not happening, and then sometimes, yeah, maniacal is the way to do it. You just don't want to stop. You're up till 3 a.m., and it's just the ideas are flowing, and it's it's kind of addicting. 
Hmm. Hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, I've not got an, an awful lot to compare it to, but um, yeah, my background, I guess, is in in sort of newspapers, and hmm. you know, you're always writing on the fly um, in those sort of situations, you know, and you know, you're used to incredibly tight deadlines. Um, so I think to a certain extent that held me in good stead, but at the same time, it is a very different experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, it's pretty solitary, you know, you don't really have loads of people to bounce stuff off. You know, you've obviously, you know, obviously had my editor at Quarto and, you know, friends and family, but it's not quite the same, you know, working in like an office environment or anything like that to what I'm used to. So yeah, there was definitely, you know, yeah, it's definitely a different experience to to what I've you know, I've had before. And I'm sure the the making a living aspect of it was different too. Now I'm not going to ask you how much you make for this or that kind of stuff because yeah. I feel it's a little bit tacky. But how does payment work? Do you get just an advance at the beginning for making a book? Do you get paid out in installments as you provide material? Basically, like how do book authors make money nowadays? <laughs> is a question I think a lot of people will have, myself included. Yeah, I think yeah. It, I'd imagine, you know, my my experience would be pretty common of um of most certainly first time writers as well. Um so, you know, kind of I guess similar to like a record deal, you know, works on the basis of you get an advance, um, split into three parts. So you have um part of the advance be paid on on a green to the project. Um then second part is paid when you submit the manuscript, and then the third part is when I think it goes to print. So split up in like I said, three three stages, and then you know depending on how your contract is negotiated, then you you get um, royalties off the off the back of how well the book sells. So, um, and that's... So go buy this book, everyone. Uh, Kevin's got two kids to feed. Absolutely. I've got two kids to feed. Like, you know, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm completely honest with you, Mike, you know, it's not, it's not the, wasn't the reason for, for taking on, on the job. Um, it was, yeah, I, I was lucky that I was in a position, I guess, you know, I was, I'm, I'm in, I was going to kind of be in between jobs, between moving uh, between London and Ireland. And I was really, you know, when, when the, the offer came up, I was really excited about the project. Yeah, I knew I weren't going to get um, something like this coming on. Um, yeah, it wasn't an everyday occurrence. It's just like, you know, I really want to do this. Um, um, how great would it be to write a book? Um, let's see how it goes. And, um, you know, it's great. It's it's you know it's amazing to see it in bookshops and see like you know people buying it. But um, but you know obviously obviously be great if it you know, creates a little windfall. But that would you know I've I didn't take on the job for or you know or the project for um, expecting to you know, become some some record breaking author or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. If it happens to happen. Even better. Cherry on top. Let's talk about the man himself. And you don't have to give away too much of the books. I don't want to cannibalize any of your sales. Uh, But Steve Jobs, uh, obviously a complicated man, a visionary in a lot of respects, but also a very difficult person, I think, by all accounts. 
Um, he has people who defend him to the death. He has a lot of detractors because of, let's say, the not great ways maybe he behaved behind closed doors to certain people. Um, how has the feedback been? How have people come to you in terms of how they feel you treated him as a biography subject? Fairly, unfairly, uh, not harsh enough, too harsh? What's the, the feedback been like for how you actually handled this pretty complicated guy? It's funny, uh, like those... Um... I did read like an Amazon uh, review someone had left and was saying that it was like, you know, it, the book pulled no punches and, you know, and yeah, it, it kind of, uh, kind of alluded to like the, the book being, you know, kind of digging the dirt a little bit, which, you know, it, it just isn't that sort of book really. Like, you know, I think it's balanced and I think, you know, we, you know, certainly it certainly doesn't shy away from, from his failings as like a parent and as as you know a colleague and and as a boss and a person prior to prior to my my book there's obviously been two uh, major books written about Steve Jobs you have the Walter Isaacson book which obviously Steve Jobs he you know he did quite a few you know he was obviously heavily involved with and, and did interviews for um and so you know i guess that's the authorized version of events and then you know what followed was becoming steve jobs the brent uh, schlender uh book um which was kind of almost like an apple approved version of events and i think there's also been a lot of you know a lot of stuff that's come out since Jobs' death, and I think I wanted to strike a balance between, you know, all that was out there and, you know, try to, try to get some truth, I guess, um, as to what, what's, what Jobs was like as, as a person to work for, but also, you know, touch upon, touch upon his home life and what he was like as, you know, as a family man and, you know, and that aspect as well. Obviously a lot, like you said, there's been books before yours, there have been movies, there's been a lot of information, there's been a lot of personal life that's been revealed, professional life. What surprised you the most about him? Because this has been trod territory before. What did you find that made you say, whoa, didn't realize that, or that took me back? One of the, one of the things I learned was that, um, yeah, Jobs never really properly learned to code. You know, he's heading up one of the most, you know, largest computer companies in the world um and yet yeah it wasn't something something he really delved into um you know he wasn't you know he, i guess he should be regarded as a design hero you know perhaps even more so than you know perhaps a business hero you know um like so much of of the crucial calls he made that were about usability and aesthetics of you know apple's products um and i think that's how he should be best remembered hmm. so obviously with those limitations still who knows how he would have continued to be a leader into today uh, as things continue to change but apple and I, it's hard to say this right for a company that's up there is, if not the most valuable company in the world, certainly number two, depending on it. But they've just come out. They've had some sluggish numbers recently. Maybe they've taken some flack for not being as revolutionary as they were when Jobs was around. Uh, how do you think or what do you think he would do? Uh, it's hard to say turn Apple around because they're doing 
okay compared to most companies. But how do you think he would handle being in charge of the company that uh, that he helped make what it is if he was still around today? Um, I think some of some of the paths that they're going down, um, I genuinely think it would have been it that have charted those those seas. I think um, had he still been in charge. You know, there's a big emphasis right now, I think, we see at CES, um, the, although Apple, you know, haven't done for a long time, um, haven't been exhibiting at CES. There was a big poster and it was them, them just making the point about them, about Apple being big on security. Um, and it was obviously a dig at Amazon and Google. And, you know, Back in sort of, you know, I think a year or two before he, he died, Jobs was making, you know, he was, he was calling Facebook out about about user data and, you know, about confidentiality and, you know, how, how that should be sacrosanct. And I think as, as the general public become a bit more aware of, just how how some of these companies are handling our data, I think that you know it's it's I think it's I, I really think it's something that's going to be attractive to consumers like going forward that you know these Apple may not certainly not in the same way be you know be capitalizing on on you know, your messages your 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 pictures you know even yeah. Even your your voice conversations, all of that sort of stuff, I think, as awareness becomes, um, you know, becomes a bit more widespread. I think that that is definitely something that Jobs would have hammered home. Where I think, um, where I think there's been a bit of a divergence with with Cook is obviously on on the innovation side of things, um, you know, and, and just. Just making sure that you know the products they're putting out really are are you know the best of the best. It's you know there was always going to come a time I think when when some of these Chinese, particularly smartphone manufacturers, were going going to keep up, um, not just keep up, but sorry, maybe even surpass um, you know the likes of Apple and, and Samsung, you know, the likes of Huawei and Honor. The you know these companies now, yeah, they're the handsets they're bringing out, um, they're beginning to lead the way with some of like the big ideas, and you know. Yeah, the iPhone uh, is just a, a faster, slightly bigger version every year. It's nothing different than fundamentally what it was a couple of years ago. Well, you know, a big determining factor each year, you know, uh, in recent sort of iterations has been camera, and you know, there's been you know been some real, real nice sort of progressions with. And like portrait mode, and you know those sort of things. But you know, it's it's drying up. You know, there's only, I mean, there is limitations to how much you can you can pack into a phone. But um, I think where where Apple have really dropped the ball, I guess, in recent years is, um, you know, I think it's back in, I think it's back in, I'm not quite sure what year it was, but. Um, um, yeah, you know, maybe a year or so after the launch of Siri, there was like some quite high-profile um, um, sackings at Apple. Um, I think um, 
guy called um, Scott Forshaw was let go, who was um, basically leading the team that was working on Siri. And it, basically, I think um, voice voice assistance is where where they've you know, they've let they've they've allowed Amazon to to run past, uh, run past them, and that is really where. I guess real innovation is now, and like you're seeing the adoption. Alexa trash cans. I mean, exactly. Well, That's where we've yeah. gotten to. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously having a bit of bit of fun there, but you can see how deeply it's integrated now with every other um, electronics manufacturer, and obviously, like you know, it's not just. It's not just the licensing um, of, of, you know, the Alexa technology. You know, Google's not far behind, obviously, with their assistant. But it's it's the information that's coming back there, you know, for, you know, through, like, speech patterns, all of that sort of stuff. You know, obviously, people use Siri quite a lot, and, and the user base for Siri is there. But because you haven't got as many... Um, um, you know, other companies um, using the platform, it's going to limit how 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 useful Siri's actually going to going to be in comparison to to Amazon's platform, unfortunately. And you know, it's certainly it's shaping up to be like the next big sort of technological battleground, isn't it? So sort of these voice mm-hmm. assistants and how how useful they are. So it's really kind of shaping um, the world of tech. Um, so that there, you know, particularly with, you know, the plateauing of innovation on phones and, you know, plateauing of, of, of that market, um, where else do Apple go? It looks like it's going to be services, um, but, but, you know, are Apple going to be able to compete with Netflix, you know? Um, so what do Apple do next? You know, that's... To me, I find that fascinating because, yeah, there's not there's not really an obvious new big area for them to move into, apart from services, you know. But, ha, you know, with with the, you know, I guess with with the the difficulties that the series run into, it does it does make you wonder how how much of an impact they can necessarily make with that as well. We shall see a lot of it because, yeah, no one stays on top forever. But with a guy, without a guy as innovative as Jobs was, where does a company go from here? Um, all right, Kev, we finish the show with the same two segments with every guest. One is the fun five, which are five quick fun questions designed for you and you alone. We'll get to that in a second. But first, it's turn the tables. Now, you don't have to do this, but I like to offer my guests the chance to, like it says, turn the tables and ask a question of me if they'd like. It can be about anything related to our conversation or completely uh, a non sequitur. You also can decline, but that's totally up to you. So what do you think? Okay, I'll ask you this. Um, Right, I'm a big SNL fan. What was Bobby Moynihan like? Oh, yeah, from my uh, my Pyramid episode. Um, Bobby was great. He was awesome. Um, We play, I play with him second. So I got to meet John Lovitz first. So he and I were chatting. Uh, So by the time I got to Bobby, he was actually... Uh, he was very complimentary of me on how I played the first half of the game because he had obviously been watching me from the other side. And uh, so he was very nice about that. And then he was super chill. He just had a kid himself. So we were talking about 
raising a baby and he was telling me how you know he used to be up until three in the morning writing for SNL and doing after parties now he's up till three in the morning changing diapers and you know getting his kid fed and stuff like that so he was super chill very down-to-earth nice guy probably exactly what you would expect him to be uh, from what you see on television which I think is as high a compliment as I can pay a celebrity because so many of them are very different from what you expect but he was just a, he was just a dude just a regular fun guy so he was awesome good Glad to hear that. Yeah, he comes across as being as being a good guy. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And again, he we were we were on we were on TV, but maybe he, you know I'm assuming that's the way he is at home or with friends. But yeah, he just seems super natural and chill. So that was good. Have you been on your holiday yet? Uh, no, I have not. That's uh, so that's the trip that I won on the show, is what you're referring to, right? Yes, it's yeah. Yes. No, so. Uh, the trip that I won was to the Canadian Rockies. So the tour company does not operate tours there in the fall or winter uh, for obvious reasons. It's in the middle of Alberta, Canada in like December. So uh, they open up again next June. So I think I'm going in July. So it'll be weird uh, taking the trip a year after I won it. But it'll be a nice little delayed gratification, I guess. So Good stuff. Yeah. You did know, you, you did know Mike, that the only reason I came on this show was to was to sort of edge my way into, you know, if you need someone to go with you. <laughs> here, okay? Well, I tell you what, they give us four tickets and I have my dad and my two brothers and me. So that's our four. But the one brother, he's getting married this year and he's taking a big chunk of vacation for his honeymoon. And I, he might not have enough vacation days to come with us. So there might be an open spot. So you, you staked your claim early in the year yeah. to be the front runner for that. That's yeah. smart by you. You heard that, listeners. We hope my yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Kev's got number one on the pick. <laughs> um, all right, Kev. Time for the fun five. We'll just lightning round through these. Uh, question number one. Again, these are five quick and fun questions designed for you and you alone. Uh, question one: On a scale of one to ten, based on your research, how would you grade Steve Jobs as a boss that you would want to work for? Uh, it's a four. Like, yeah, well, maybe a five. I mean, it's you'd be inspired, wouldn't you? But um... I don't know. I think it, it, you know, he'd be a tough person to work with. I, th- I think, um, yeah, it. it uh, yeah, that's what I would have guessed. I would have guessed like in the four to six range, depending on how much of a of a masochist you are. Uh, question number two, and I read this answer in one of your interviews, but uh, share with us maybe why. What's your favorite Apple product ever? Uh. I like Garage Band, and it doesn't get it doesn't get touched upon a lot. But you know, I mean, you make podcasts, Mike. Yeah, I, I use Garage Band to put out this very product. Yeah, for me, yeah, it's one of those things. It really, <clears throat> really, it really kind of pinpoints. I think what Jobs was about when he see what, yeah, what his vision was for for computers. It wasn't yeah you know, just for for spreadsheets or you know it was about. Yeah, it was, about, it was a tool for creativity and, and learning. And, um, you know, you just think about what what Garage Band opened up for, for anyone who's into music or, or you know, or podcasts or... Yeah, anything know. audio. Um, yeah, and same with iMovie as well. Um, I don't think, I don't think those two, those two products perhaps get the dues that they, that they deserve. Can't, I can't not mention the iPod as yeah. well, you know, just what that meant for digital music. And, um, you know, it's, you know, it's just so strange now seeing kids walking around 
uh, yeah. with them. So, yeah. To them, it's like what the the old brick cell phones that were like to us, and yeah. it's it's but it's weird, yeah, because to us it was so revolutionary at the time. But I guess that's what yes. happens when when time marches on and technology goes with yeah, it. It's developing developing that retro cool, which is yeah. like terrifying for likes of me. You know, same. So weird. Question three. If you could have sat down with the late Steve Jobs and asked him any one question for your book, what question would you have asked him? Let me see. Was he a Beatles or a Stones man? Oh, interesting. What do you think he would have said? I'm going to say Beatles. Obviously, like, you know, his use of like John Lennon in um, in some like Apple's advertising, yeah. Um, um, but but you know we we I was able to ascertain that he did have um, a sizable amount of Rolling Stones on on his own personal iPod, as well as loads of Dylan and 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 Beatles. But um, but yeah, no one's really no one's really. Um, I don't think anyone's really pinpointed that one uh, whether. You know, of the two bands, but um, I'm upset slightly the Beatles, but yeah, I'd like and to. Some, and someday in some life, maybe we will have that chance to know that for sure. Um, question number four, we've alluded to it a couple times. You and I go back to our days at uh, Guinness World Records. You're not there anymore. I'm not there anymore. What do you miss the most about life at GWR? It was never boring. Was it? Um, no, it was a, every yeah. day was something, something that scratch your head or make you smile. It was always something, that's for sure. Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the thing you, I kind of miss the most in that, you know, when I was at newspapers, you'd have to be chasing a story, but there was always, there was always something to work with when we was at Guinness World Records. There was always someone interesting to write about and, and talk about. Um, but, you know, it's a great office as well, like great people. Very difficult place to leave. Um, I'm sure you've covered all of this on on previous podcasts, but, um, but yeah, yeah, just the opportunities it gave you. You know, in in what other job would you get to meet the tallest tallest person or smallest woman or you know? And sometimes in the same week. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, just just meeting like, genuine heroes, meeting people like Roger Bannister, that person, first person to. Run four minute mile. Um, you know, sadly passed away actually um, a few months back. But um, um, got to interview some really interesting people, and he was one of them. And yeah, I'll, I'll always be grateful for those opportunities. For you know, yeah, like I say, very difficult place to leave, and yeah, had a lot of fun there. And the last question for you, Kevin. This whole podcast, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, if I remember, you are a West Ham guy. Is that right? That is correct. Will West Ham win the Premier League in your lifetime, even once? Yes or no? Uh, well, unless, well, you know, fingers crossed. Maybe if the if if my book, you know, does the business, I can maybe maybe funnel funnel the many millions into um, into into the transfer kitty, and you know, we could be competing with Man City. Um, quite honestly, probably not. No, I, I don't ever see that being the case. But then that's not why you support West Ham. I think yeah. So it's. An absolute soap opera of a club, and I think that's kind of how we like it. We like being underdogs, and um, yeah. But I know it would be nice to win something. Yeah, maybe a cup. 
Hey, yeah, any, any silverware is good. And like we saw with uh, Lester a couple of years ago, there's always that one chance, and if it ever does happen, it'll taste even sweeter after all the stuff you've gone through. We, we, we know true. that. They can yeah. come true. Uh, well, a dream has come true for you, Kev, in getting the book out, and it's come true for me getting to talk to an actual uh, amazing author like this for the show. So thanks so much. Let people know where they can find out more about you, where they can get the book, any social media you want to plug. Go for it. Okay, so once again, the book is called Steve Jobs, A Biographic Portrait. It's out, um, Redline Publishing, an imprint of Quarto, and yeah, it's available from all good bookstores and some pretty lousy ones as well, I'm sure. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not I'm not big on, on social media. I don't share an awful lot apart from the odd football transfer nugget um, I, I hear and you know, me commenting on how poorly West Ham have done. Um um, but if you you know if you want some of that stuff, um, I'm on. Um, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm Kevin underscore underscore Lynch L Y N C H. Um, but yeah, go go check me out on there. Um, um, like I say, it's probably ninety percent of all posts on there are, are um, um, only of interest if you're a West Ham fan. But there you go. <laughs> a very niche market. Kev, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. And best of luck with the book. And I'll talk to you again when the, when the next one comes out. Good stuff. It's All been right. a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. And thanks to you guys as well for listening. Make sure to go to MikeJanella.com for all previous episodes. And also follow me on social media at MikeJanella wherever you feel like finding me. But most of all, thank you guys for listening. I will do even better next time. See ya.